0: Do you have a title on there you put it to the title of, of oh, discussing the Capitol Hill.
1: white riot one a uh, great great clash song white
0: riot oh yeah i never heard of it
1: yeah um so we're, yeah we're uh this was Devor's idea to talk about this do they need one more check in? i
0: don't know i just heard something thump.
1: that's probably dom running to go grab something and get back in bed Getting more books he doesn't know how to our son doesn't know how to walk normally he stomps everywhere is just stomping and this is an old house and the bones rattle every time he goes anywhere so like oh dominic dominic's going somewhere
0: well i always know where they are so that's always good he's announcing his presence
1: yeah (laughs) so hey all right well i guess we can get started here so devora um you reached out to me uh i don't know what was about a week ago because um you're just rattled by the capital riots like we all were and you sent me this excellent um long chat by Jared Sexton Yates who is a white supremacist he catalogs white supremacy and fascist movements he's an author I followed him on Twitter for a long time and um so I really appreciated that and I wanted to open up the floor to you first to kind of get your your thoughts on on how the, as the events were unfolding on one six how that was landing on you and because you were of all the people I know you actually fled the country in anticipation of I don't know whatever chaos could ensue from the election and went to Costa Rica and well, that's then you one of the came things back I had
0: said to Brian about um like I was kind of waiting for when the election went on of what's going to happen on the election like that's for like months and months I'm like when the election gets here, what's gonna happen? And then you got to the election and nothing really happened. We weren't even really sure who officially won for like days and days. And then that just like kept lingering on and then it just turned into other things. And, and it was just like was, lingered uh, and I didn't think, I never knew that there was um, the day when they certify and count the electoral vote. I didn't even know that day existed. I didn't know that was some that official thing that they do because it's been so unimportant that it's just kind of glossed over it and I didn't pay attention. So I didn't even know that January was the day. Because if I kind of knew more about things, I would have thought that that would be the day and I would have not thought about the election. Yeah.
2: Well, no, everybody was um, kind of expecting that there might be some violence happening right around the election when they announced the results. And nothing much happened then. And I think everybody like took a real big sigh of relief um, but I did see people talking about um, a focus being on January around the time of the inauguration. And so I had already, you know, gotten to Costa Rica. Um, and, you know, for economic reasons, I wasn't able to stay and I I came back and I also knew that, you know, there could be trouble coming up. but. The whole time, it, it was also just a question of, you know, am I gonna just move abroad at this point on my own? Or if I come back here, I still have friends and family around. If anything goes kind of sideways, I've got people around me that I know and trust, and whatever we do, we'll do it together, you know. So that was it was always one of those two options, yeah. And, yeah.
0: and Brian, did you um just say like uh how you guys know each other? Like if anybody pops onto this and watches the thing later, oh, yeah, just like, oh, we're talking to each other who who are you
1: De, De, devora <laughs> who was, are
0: you devora
1: devora was my my wonderful gateway into becoming more engaged with the bernie campaign uh i met i met you at a at a fundraiser at mahal's um or it was a Is drive, drive or something yeah yeah there was a big show at, at mahal's on the I west i
2: mean side. i was there i just don't entirely remember. there was so many people there oh my gosh
1: oh yeah and i chat i chatted you up for a little while and then i I think I reached out to you um a little while later to do an interview to talk about the Bernie campaign and and what but it you was came
2: to my my um Bernie
1: canvassing,
0: canvassing event yep yeah so, and then you know we're so you guys met through Bernie campaign things various things and uh and also you've been over into our yard for Backyard chats and uh, extremely chat, local
2: coronavirus safe.
0: Yep. Yep. A little, a little over the fire, coronavirus summertime chats that we had yeah. last year. We oh, were fun. just like safely across the fire in the backyard. Um, yeah. So anyway, that is who you are. And that is why we're talking to you because we like to talk to you about political things happening.
2: Yep.
0: <laughs> so, where did you want to start? You have some things that you wanted to talk about. I watched this, the the video too.
1: Yeah, um, every everyone should watch. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and change. Put a link to that. that change, I'm gonna change. I don't know if I can put a link into everything, but I definitely I'm gonna put it in the the title of the video. So uh, the Capitol Hall, the Capitol Pushed of 2021 um that is the video that we have all watched that was a lecture by Jared Sexton Yates and I highly recommend it to everyone the way he breaks everything down I took so many notes during this just for this discussion but also it was great kind of watching it taking notes just to really deeply process everything he was saying because it was such a fantastic um kind of overview of the fascist movement and 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 this point right here in America. Um, What were your big takeaways from from the video?
2: Well, one of the things that I think is really important to talk about is there's so much historical ignorance in this country and that the media isn't really being super helpful. Uh, And this is one of the points that he made is that a lot of people are looking at this as if it's just this weird aberration, just like they think Trump is just came out of nowhere and he's almost gone and that we're going to be okay again. And that's not what's going on here. This is something that is very long in the making. Um, the history that's that's happened is very cyclical and we can learn a lot from history and we need to, because like, like I just mentioned, there's so much historical ignorance. There's so many complex pieces that are coming together here. And the most important and most desperate need right now is for everybody to be getting educated about this so that they can be on the right side of history and they can push for the right things. I think that that the ignorance is the biggest weakness and the biggest thing that can be exploited by the fascists and by everybody who's got an agenda right now. Um, so we need to do our part in sharing. Jared Ead Sexton is a historian. Um, I don't remember the name of the He
0: wrote. Um, Yes. If Um, only we could find out. If only there were away.
1: You just (laughs) you just you just uh made me realize I I I spelled his name wrong. (laughs) Or I Uh, I had his name sequenced wrong. It's yeah, Jared Yates Sexton, not Jared Sexton. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Well done, Brian. Well done. Yeah.
1: Okay, so
2: and and he's he's there's this other historian that I've also been following a lot. Um a lot of people follow her. Um, Heather Cox Richardson, also another triple name, but um, she I think <laughs> it was stand uh, out. Yeah. yeah, I think it was uh, <laughs> during the Trump era that she started doing these like daily live streams and a daily newsletter and just breaking down what happened that day and putting all the historical context into it, which a lot of people really appreciate. Um, understanding a, a deeper perspective on what's happening
1: yeah I, do you,
2: have you watched her
1: stuff? no i haven't i haven't I watched her um make sure you send me send me in the facebook chat a, a link so i don't forget her name
0: um, i'm going want to look up the books that um jared yates sexton yes now that you can say yeah. it i followed him on twitter um, for a long
1: time and i subscribed to him on i think substack if or i might be confusing him with someone else
0: this is the first time i've had um any experience watching, watching him. I don't know anything about him, but, um, I, I did watch the video though. And I like how, uh, calm and collected and just like, here, it here it is guys. Like, you know, it's you know, very no, well put. It's very, I, I, yeah, it's very well laid out.
1: I, I think the bourbon he's sipping helps
0: thought, it's like a beer. No, there's a beer. No, It's bourbon. That's a big bourbon. glass.
1: No, he very much. Yeah. He, he, he talks about his bourbon a couple times.
2: So <laughs> yeah, any any historian of authoritarianism and fascism and this part of history has been long expecting this kind of eruption to happen in the U.S. And I've kind of seen it coming for a super long time too. Um, I grew up in a very uh, conservative Republican household and the kind of uh, right-wing talk radio that we listen to some of it it was actually just the most shocking kinds of you know hate speech and pointing fingers at the democrats and at the left and calling them just enemies who hate our country and want to destroy this country and there was just such a level of, of vitriol and i just at one point I remember just feeling such a chill and thinking there are real consequences for this kind of rhetoric and here we are, and it has come into. Here hold- we are in the consequences. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and that's that's what that's what's so frightening is thinking about how for decades these people, people on the right, people who've imbibed right wing media, have been fed the the constant stream of in in, in sort of an abstract way, but it's it, it was concrete of like oh the left is destroying everything, the left hates America, you know that casting uh everyone who's not on the right as a villain so you know that building up that sense of self-righteousness I'm I'm fighting evil and I'm this good 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 person and that's that's the most frightening thing right now and what frightened me immediately in the aftermath of the election when when I saw it was so close And then everyone was like, calm down, slow your roll. Biden's going to win. Biden's got this. The votes are there. And I'm like, "Okay, but it's not great that it's close. And then once Trump said started fanning that flame of this has been a stolen election and that now all these people believe that and they are in their hearts righteously, you know, on the sixth, they show up, some of them, you know, and we'll get into what sexton talks about with that there's a diversity of interests and thinking going on there it's not monolithic but most of the people showing up there that were showing up agitated over um the election being stolen um were you know they're they're thinking they're saving the country they're they're so sure that they're in the right and that's that's the scariest position you can ever be in against someone who's just certain that they are right and they are righteous and that their cause is good especially when it's not
2: one of the capitol police officers said you know when he was like trying to keep people out of the capitol and this guy was just frothing at the mouth and he said this guy was a true believer you know and and just how Dangerous that is, that they've heard that big lie repeated over and over and given really a lot of credence by a lot of Republican politicians who signed on to challenge the election. They didn't do it because they believed Joe Biden lost. They did it for political expedience. They They were doing
1: triangulation.
2: They wanted to win the election in Georgia and they wanted to keep people on board and happy Uh, It was a little bit of a catch twenty two because you know they're giving this message, oh the election is rigged. What's the point of voting? And then on the other hand, they're (laughs) like, we want
0: you to vote.
2: We want you to vote. We want to put a check on Joe Biden. But at the same time, they're saying Biden didn't really win. Trump is president, and therefore it was so confusing that that is really a, a big factor, maybe the factor that caused them to lose in Georgia.
1: You can't so go looking for ideological, or like in like consistency of reality in the stories oh. that get fed. It's <laughs> in such a mess. No, have
2: you know, just... reached the point where everything has come into full collision, full bloom, and it's super contradictory. They they can't keep their story straight anymore.
0: Yeah, but i I do like in the the Sexton video that it's not just hammering at the Republicans, it's really going over the problems on both sides and the history of both sides and how people need to wake up and realize that all the, the working people were all in the same place. Like we, you know, and they're like, once people find out that it's all, it's all this illusion, all the things that you think about, uh, the government and how it runs and, you know, the people have been pitted against each other you know like everyone with the issues of abortion and guns and then transgender bathrooms and while everybody's fighting you know the wealthy are just laughing their way to the bank and that's and then it just goes into the details of just how they've let people go as of like you know in the the 80s they, they decided that they're not gonna The Democrats aren't going to be able to win if they just do. uh, Oh, I can't care about labor unions. I'm clearly not going to beat the Republicans if I care about people and the working people. And that was that was a really interesting part of um, thinking of an understanding, like when the Democrats kind of started going further to the right and then the right went further to the right. (laughs)
1: it's like i keep saying that everyone's just
0: on the right now and the
1: democrats became the republicans and the republicans became fascists
2: (laughs) yep it's just the whole thing keeps pulling more and more to the right and there has been no uh there is no left party in this country you know people call the democrats the left and what we have now is progressives who are attempting to because we can't uh, the two parties have this stranglehold, and we cannot, at this point, successfully build a third independent party. So we have no choice but to act through the Democratic Party, and that is what is being attempted right now. Um, we are gaining in numbers there, gaining in power. Um, you know, hope, uh, hopefully we we get enough of a foothold in time because we're running out of time. Um, We have this emergency upon us right now.
0: I just don't wonder this week what's going to happen because they just keep going on and on about we've got all these troops, we've got the National Guard coming in. And it's like, yeah, but the Capitol police officers were just letting them walk in and some of them were taking selfies and all about it. And so, you know, that all these thousands of people that are coming to protect everything they don't have any other agendas because clearly there's a lot of people that have other agendas and and just the fact that people are like oh it, no it's so safe and it's just this this illusion that i don't know that everybody's gay biden for <laughs> that's coming to protect well, the inauguration you know, you know, some people it are just seem silly and, and no one has said a word about that about worrying no, no, about I that at hear. all
2: i did hear that they uh, uh, finally recognize this problem of white supremacy in the military. And- Who's who's they? uh, You know, all of the different security forces are recognizing that some of their members were Hmm. part of the Capitol rioters and that they need to, you know, when they deploy people to protect the inauguration, they need to actually uh, try to figure out if anyone's got these kinds of white supremacist sympathies. Or are members of white supremacist
1: organizations? Yeah, I don't so, know how you do that. It's a bit, how you figure it's a out, bit of like, the an
2: accountability, or how you
0: look into everybody, do another background. Like I don't know, I don't know how you. I mean, do but
1: that. that's 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 nice. They're doing that, but it's, it's 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 definitely a situation of like the barn door and the horses, because. <laughs> there have been I don't
0: know what that means. Uh
1: that that you're closing your uh the the, the idiom oh. you're you're closing the barn door after the horses have gotten out. Oh, okay. Um because I don't know the
0: farm references, sorry, Brian.
1: Because the there's an FBI <laughs> report of... going back sorry. to I don't know, I can't remember the years like 2012, 2006, 2006? was it 6?
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there was one in 2006 and there was another one in 2009 and the, w- when it came out in 2009 this was right after obama was in office and they were trying to you know investigate look into this and the republicans created such a big stink and they were acting as if you are you know trying to create this partisan witch hunt against the military and they actually managed to get the whole thing shut down at that point hmm. so mm-hmm. you know that reminds me of another thing. Um, there was something last year, I think it was with the uh, COVID stuff, you know, the people who were denying, uh, they were saying COVID was a hoax. Um, I think Twitter conducted a pretty, uh, maybe, decent campaign to shut down all of that misinformation. And somebody, you know, was trying to find out can we do the same thing when it comes to you know, all of these, you know, anti-BLM, all the white supremacy, all of the, you know, racism that that they're spreading on Twitter. And I think they looked into it and they and they realized they can't do it because they're going to catch too many Republican politicians in their net. And this is going to look partisan. So we have to talk about the fact that the Republican Party is a party of white supremacy. Whether or not every Republican, you know, every normal person who considers himself a Republican uh, understands it or not, believes it or not, you know, whatever they personally
1: feel. It, about, it makes sense, though. I mean, because we, we were talking earlier today and the de facto position of any American that's born and is raised in our educational system, simply takes in what the media narrative is about, like our national identity and and what we are, you are a white supremacist. Like until you realize, until you actively recognize the actual history of this country, you are indoctrinated into white supremacy. You only learn about the true history of this country by fucking accident or that you were lucky enough to have someone lead you into the truth. But if you just go along with what the status quo story of America is, you are tacitly a white supremacist. And it makes sense that conservatives, you know, their whole thing is the status quo. Let's keep things as they are. Like what you said, that is what you. And if the status quo is white supremacy, then the base, the base position of the conservative party party is preserving white supremacy.
0: Well, that is interesting of how um you, you uh no no, go back in bed. no go back in bed.
1: Charlie, we're talking about white supremacy. It's not we're a good topic about... for Do have anything children. What you
0: say about white supremacy, Charlie? What's
1: white
0: supremacy?
1: Pos- What's white Pisemony? Pos- <laughs>
0: <laughs> white Charlie, let me tell you.
1: Devorah, do you want to tell Charlie no. what white Pisemacy is? You to go to
0: bed. You gotta go read some books. Good I night. was just gonna talk about books. Good night. Remember I said about interrupting Zoom calls and to stop doing that? Yeah. All right.
1: All right. We love you very much. Everybody's good night. happy you popped in for our show. Now, good night.
0: Good night. Bye.
2: Bye. <laughs> How come when I walk this way? It looks like I'm walking. We'll
1: talk about reflective transposition tomorrow. <laughs> looks like... We will <laughs> talk about light refraction tomorrow. Good night.
0: Good night. This... Charlie, good night. Yes. Ugh.
1: Mirrors this... are lying to you. That's the short answer.
0: <laughs> Charlie, I asked you to go back. Right. And I'll I will give you walk a hug you and downstairs. a kiss. I'll give you a hug and a kiss. No, I wanted you to hear what I was going to say, too. Just tell him to go. go. <laughs> that worked. <laughs> uh, let's see if I can remember my point now. Um, the de facto was,
1: position. Of-
0: no, well, I was, uh, you know, you don't, as a white person growing up, and I, uh, you know, I I grew up in suburbia, upstate New York. It was, most people were white. There was, like, a couple couple Jewish kids, couple black kids, one kid that was gay, but, like, didn't say it. You know, and that was like, you know, and that's what you grow up in. And just like, so all the people that are not just your plain old white bread people, there's like a couple of these people are on the periphery, but they're, but every, most people you see are just like white bread America. And that's what I grew up with. And that's what you see. And that's what, and that's what you see on TV. And that's what all your shows are. And that's that's what all your books are. That's what normal
2: is trade. But, then you,
0: you normalize it. Um but I was I was on one of my homeschool uh sites today and somebody was asking for book recommendations and they were saying like oh that they bought a lot of the the who was you know those that's like who was Albert Einstein who was Martin Luther King who you know and there's this whole series and it it tells about people. And um they were looking for other books and somebody recommended um another book series and this woman got on there and she was just like are there any kids of color anywhere in this book series? Like, and she was pointing that out and, and then I didn't know this book series and I went to go look it up. And, and then I found um, that I I went and looked in it and I, and I wrote back to her. I'm just like, I was like, actually I was looking into these and yeah, there was like, you know, there's one of the first Thanksgiving and there's one of a native American kid, you know, it's from the different kids perspective. And there's one on the civil rights movement and it's from kids of color. And then she wrote back to me again. She was like, yeah, but are there any ones where like, there's kids of color where it doesn't, it's not like part of the story. And that's the only reason that you throw in a kid of color or somebody from somewhere else. So I looked into it further and, and it actually does. It's actually this good series. And there's one on the international space station that has kids of color and it's, there's no like reason behind it. They just are. And And, but the thing is, but then I stopped her and I said, well, thank you for asking these questions because i was like i'm a white woman living in my land of privilege and i don't think about these things all the time in my homeschooling materials and i was like thank you for putting these questions up and so i said that to her and you know she was she was happy that someone didn't come back with her it was just like oh god they're fine you know like <laughs> um but it, it made a good point though is to like me as you know white woman going through my materials of what i'm teaching my kids i don't always think about is there enough diversity it does and is it there just because we're studying the civil rights movement or is it there just because kids are just in there and they're just of different from different places and um yeah i don't know that that just made me think of that today it's not completely on topic
1: but um pushing back against white no but that that you have to make a conscious effort you have
0: to make a conscious effort as a white person in this in this society to if you're looking at the materials that you use for homeschooling you have to make an effort to make it diverse uh-huh. if you get anything that's that's not completely not in the last 10 years you're not going to have any diversity in it there just isn't um and i just wanted to point that out from my that's my homeschool mom perspective of what you're talking about <laughs> that's where my knowledge lies right now of where am i yeah so um anyway back to the video
1: Well, the um, what I really appreciated, like right at the outset, is how he talked about the historical echoes of fascism and the utility of fascists to capitalists and and, and the wealthy. And that it's sort of like this useful dog that you can sick on leftists and political opponents, but that eventually the dog gets off the leash.
2: Okay, so if I can interrupt you, um, yeah. I just figured out that little bridge between that discussion that that um, you were having about, you know, white identity, and then back to this discussion, um, my identity, I'm white, and I'm Jewish. And those two identities together are really interesting, because, you know, as a Jewish person, whose grandparents were um victims of the Holocaust and and refugees from the Holocaust, my grandparents, uh, my grandmother's family, aside from her sister, she had four older sisters and a brother, and then her two parents, and they all died uh, or were were murdered um, in Poland and in Auschwitz, the the Auschwitz death camp. Um, Some of her older sisters escaped or attempted to escape and left left the country, but they never heard from them again. So we actually don't know if they survived. Um, So we have, you know, definitely that historical awareness and historical trauma and coming to this country as refugees and survivors and, you know, finding a safe haven here and always just being aware that, you know, throughout history, there have been, these kinds of, you know, every so often, uh, when things get bad, uh, Jews are the scapegoat, and you know it happens over and over again. And um, just just having that personal family trauma, and then everything that's happening in the world is part of the reason that I'm so attuned to it and sensitive to it, and you know, traumatized, re-traumatized by everything that's happening, and really interested in the history. Uh, And and that's caused me to study that and also just, you know, how on earth did something like the Holocaust happen, you know, trying to understand human nature, because when I was younger, and I, before I knew this part of history, I really had a different impression of the world that I lived in. And it came as quite a shock to learn about this history and, um, you know, set me on that path of trying to understand people and I got my degree in psychology and I'm very always been very interested in political science. So, um, you know, I, I ended up taking a class on the psychology of prejudice. My last class at Brooklyn college before I graduated and, um, growing up, like I said, I did in a conservative house, I was always the most liberal, uh, in the family. And at the same time, there were so many things that I still didn't understand. I didn't understand what structural racism was. Um, I didn't understand, you know, all the history that I hadn't been taught. I had, you know, I, I went to a private Jewish day school. I think some of the education was probably equivalent to what you would get in a public school as far as we had probably the same textbooks. And so we learned about, you know, slavery Uh, the civil rights movement, and uh, apparently everything got fixed, right? And now we're good. And now uh, any problems that, you know, you see that are there's still so so much poverty uh, in uh, black communities and and why is that? And and you're just trying to come up with an explanation and uh, what you hear from the right wing is, you know, Pull yourself up from your bootstraps, you know, you know, nobody gave me a handout. Which we can go into that at another point in time.
0: Brian loves I I of,
1: love, to I pull love, you
0: up I by the bootstraps. bootstraps. Tell tell him, Brian. That was,
1: well, I think I believe it was <laughs> Mark Twain coined that, and it was a phrase that was meant to convey something that can't be done. It right. meant lift yourself up off the ground by your shoelaces
0: which right. you can't do. I, and everybody uses it the opposite. And it, yeah, now, everybody You gotta uses pull it yourself up so by your wrong. bootstraps. It's like that's not actually possible. Right. And it's just funny. Every time I hear it now, I hear it so often now. It just, it it shines out every time someone says it now because
1: Brian brought that up. Yeah. So anyway. But yeah, that, I had the same education as you. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, so it's think, all fixed.
2: Most of yeah. America has had that kind of education where you just don't even understand what and these Now it's fine. The history, you know, and, and the fact that if you look at, uh, for example, redlining, and then you look at current day, you know, uh, poverty and the the rates of um, health inequalities, that it tracks to the same geographic areas. So many different problems where what was necessary clearly was, you know, a all kinds of affirmative action that go beyond just you know giving a boost when it comes to education and hiring, but fixes that needed to happen you know economically and in, in healthcare disparities and in in so many ways um, you know childcare pre K universal all kinds of universal programs uh, that need to happen uh, that haven't happened and so this is what is meant by you know systemic issues where just public policy, uh, it, it, it can be a little bit more invisible and abstract to people, and they don't realize that just our entire country was built not only on the backs of slaves, but it continues to, you know, we, we continue to prop ourselves up by pushing other people down. And that is uh, invisible to a lot of people. Um, so I, you know, I took this class and it was really a transformative experience. I'm so grateful that I took that class. Um because I just would be lost, I think, right now in the world without having that understanding. Um, anyway.
0: It's good to have a class that that like it wakes you up. It just um, I had a That's kind of what happened to me in college too. Um, I learned it from kind of an environmental perspective though. I was taking um, environmental studies in college and my first environmental 101 is when I learned of, you know, how um, basically people are kept down through farming and the food system and how things are run in the food system and how things are run in, in that way, how people are kept down and how money is made and how they want food to be cheaper um, so they can make more money, but it's like, it's not just cheaper in dollars. It's cheaper in quality of how they do it. And then you just see how this all works of there's money on the top and then there's people getting screwed on the bottom and it's, it's all, it's just from a different perspective. And that's kind of where I started to see how things are. And that was from a college class. Cause I didn't see that at all in, in high school. I kind of, so I got to kind of hit with the brick of the world in college.
2: It has to be taught. And that's part of the problem is that what are you going to do with all these people who are not in college, not in school? How do you teach an entire country? I, I, yeah. You know what we need? We need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission because people do not know our history. I like that. They do not know. 100. And there's actually a bill right now uh, that is in Congress. I'm not sure, I don't think it's made a lot of progress so far, but I believe it was written and sponsored by Barbara Lee in California. Uh, for a truth and reconciliation commission. Um uh, I don't believe. <laughs> that trying happened.
0: to look it up and turn on things that
1: you shouldn't no, turn I, on. Sorry, I, I had a I had a I was checking a comment. We have okay. comments
0: <laughs> Yeah. So what's the bill? What's it called? Or you don't know?
2: Uh, I don't right. know what it's called, but it's definitely got truth and reconciliation in its in its name. I think it should get a lot more attention. Hopefully, it will.
1: Yeah. That that's something.
2: I'm um, I can't that.
1: remember what exact context that came up with. Oh, no, that came up when I was interviewing um Tim Tolka, talking about just the amount of racial violence going on. Like, we need a truth, and we need several truth and reconciliation <laughs> committees. Um But, yeah, what you both were saying about, like, the real shit that you need to know, you don't learn it. Just... By default,
0: if I didn't go to college, like you my by... mindset would be completely different if yeah. I didn't go to college and didn't move out of, you know, my town and outside I of city. I don't
1: have I don't have a college story. I, I just have I think being in theater and the arts in general, I heard this quote recently about, um, from Roger Ebert about movies that I think applies to the arts, which is. Uh, he said that the the cinema is a machine that generates empathy and so i was in theater and just the arts in general and i think you're just it nudges you towards a more empathetic state especially if you're an actor because you have to learn about other people but oh. it was just my own curiosity and then one day i stumbled into um probably you know like i, I think it was like you know after 9 11 i was just like i don't fucking know anything that's going on and i started taking everything in and it may have even been as stupid as like having watched goodwill hunting and that line about like oh you got to read howard's Zinn*. that book will knock you on your ass and i was like oh, i guess i'll read howard's say and that. and then you know then that, to, then that led to dollars
0: <laughs> in library fines
1: then that led to uh uh yeah this noam chomsky and and this this endless really that's how,
2: that's how you started out
1: uh well i started with goodwill hunting (laughs) i mean i'm just saying that but i i know the biggest reason that my intellectual curiosity and my my political my personal philosophy on the world really kind of goes back to someone introducing me to tom robbins um who's he's just this wild ridiculous author who infuses a lot of incredible philosophies into his stories
2: Magical realism, right? Yeah. I, I picked up one of his books, and I didn't make it really far at all. Um, and maybe I should try again. But uh, one of the things that you're reminding me of. Not
1: no 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 not Tim Robbins, not Tim Robbins, <laughs> Tom Robbins. <Okay. laughs> he's a he's okay. a he's, he's a ridiculous novelist. He's not a self-help guru.
2: No, I'm not talking about no, self-help. That's Tony I'm
0: Robbins. Oh, Tony Magical Robbins. Tony Robbins. Robbins. <laughs> Tim Tim Robbins is the is an actor.
1: Oh yeah, not Tim Robbins. Tom Robbins. Get your Robbins right. There's so many damn Robbins.
2: He wrote Magical Realism. Nope. All right, no, never he, mind. Never mind. Yeah,
1: he wrote um, *Jitterbug Perfume* and *Still Life with Woodpecker*. And okay, yeah.
2: okay.
0: so you, um, yeah, that's a look at what hers is.
2: So what you're saying I about my education up. stories? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, the right wing—they talk about higher education as if it's a plot to brainwash people to be liberals and Marxists, which, um, you know, why why is it that everybody who goes to college, not everybody, but a good portion, uh, you know, become more liberal? And I mean, what you're saying about, you know, getting an education is, and, and like the well, sorry, I'm getting a little bit tongue-tied here. Um, being, being a force for increasing your empathy, like the more you learn about other people, the more you can learn their history, put yourself in their shoes, the more you broaden your perspective. Yes, the more liberal you are. That's uh, kind of, you know, that's the power of education. That's what we want people to be. Um, and there was a meme actually recently going around that was uh, very on point. And it said, What am i gonna do with a liberal arts degree oh i don't know maybe not join a death cult and storm the capitol
0: (laughs) yeah that was a that was a good line (laughs) um so so. so i don't want to talk too long tonight um let's get some of the main points then if somebody's watching this they'll actually like get you know, if they're not going to watch it for hours and hours.
2: What it wants (laughs) to bring it back to is like, like I was saying, you know, combining my, you know, white identity with my Jewish identity. And then um, that comes back to what we're dealing with now is that cycle of fascism coming up again. And it's for the same reasons. And it's for the same reasons that I got involved in politics. It's actually for the same reasons that Bernie Sanders got involved in politics his family also were victims of the Holocaust. And, you know, he wanted to get involved in politics in order to prevent anything like that from happening again. And uh, I don't know if you managed to watch the video that I sent you. He gave a speech in uh, 2019, June of 2019, talking about his values and uh, what democratic socialism means to him. And it is like, a, a, a parallel, a, an eerie parallel to the video uh, that we watched from Jared Gates Sexton, who's talking about all the same historical and economic forces that come together to create uh, fascistic movements. Um, the fact that, you know, people at the bottom are squeezed so hard for so long to the point that this is what happens when countries are just breaking down because they can't, take it anymore we are being defunded um it was the goal the explicit goal of the right wing to shrink the government down to you know uh, what was that quote you know till you can drown it in the bathtub
1: that was grover norquest they wanted to shrink government down to the size they could drown it in the bathtub
2: yeah beautiful metaphor Mm, i know right child killers um Yes. So yeah, they their idea of freedom is privatizing all of our public funds, uh, so that that you can have you know private corporations in charge, uh, which are not transparent, not democratic, and all of that private money is going into uh, public money going into private hands, and uh, then you don't have a democracy anymore because all of those decisions are not being made by democratically elected representatives
1: um that was always the thing that drove me nuts it in like my 20s when i was just kind of developing my political consciousness and i would hear and i would get into arguments all the time with like my immediate boss he was like a super they were amicable it was amazing kind of looking back that i was able to have political arguments with my republican boss This is in like the time when the Iraq war was about to happen. Like we'd stay at work late arguing over that. But um, yeah, I I, I, I would try to explain to him. Shit, I lost my, I I got pulled off the thread. What were we just talking about? Um,
2: Arguing with your Republican?
1: No, right before that, what were you saying? Um, Uh, Which part about? the thing that prompted me to talk about this, but <laughs> I need to rewind the tape. Um, But yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, Oh no, no, no. That was you were saying about corporations and he was very like pro corporation. And I just didn't understand, like, how can you say that like you're for democracy and freedom and that you want corporations to have more power when they're like, extremely authoritarian it's just whatever your boss your boss says like hey we're all gonna start wearing blue to all the meetings because <laughs> that makes clients pay more for projects you all just have to start wearing blue and if if the boss really feels strong about that and if you don't want to then you're not gonna work there anymore i mean they're they're, they're towers of dictatorships
2: People don't even know. People don't even know that they don't even know what democracy is. They don't have an experience of it because, you know.
1: They also think that voting is the end-all be-all of democracy. And that's wrong.
2: Some people, you know, for some people it takes five, ten minutes to vote. Other people can take seven hours or more. But it's one day of your life every two to four years. Uh, usually, for most people, it's four years, but um, and that's it. And there's just they really um, cut out civics education in this country. I believe that was after the 60s. They're like, we don't want people knowing how to do this. <laughs> how to well, how everybody do just
0: shows up with like who's uh, what do they think about guns? What do they think about abortion? Red or blue tick, tick, tick. Like people don't think about it at all. They're just like, oh, I'm going to go right down the Republican side or right down the Democratic side. And I think mo- most people, yeah, there's they've no background in it. They don't really teach the details. They teach you the history kind of like kind of glazes over just enough that they told you think you know, history, then you forget it. And you don't know anything about what's really what's really going on. So, um, okay, so, good. Uh, go
2: so that's what uh, A Sexton was talking about, we need to talk to people about power. And how it really works, and the fact that we are not as powerless as lots of people want us to believe we are—that um, we can get together and talk, and obviously form unions, uh, you know, form all kinds of organizations outside of, you know, whatever structures you know are imposed on us—and um, come and, and educate each other, which is what I think we're doing here. What we want to continue doing.
0: Uh, some of these trump people out of crazy town and realize that we all have the same problems
2: yes exactly like, they, and they that's,
0: that's that was the biggest thing the way he, he he put it and just like talking about how people are um you know next the the steps of just like okay now we need to make more money can't be paying health care and then they, they create the, the new structure i didn't even think about that with the new structure with like uber and all these things they're just like you can work as many hours as you want and we give you nothing we give you yep, no health care no- and now you don't just have to work 40 hours a week, you can just keep working. And it's just, you, I didn't think of it in that way until he said it about how that's just another step on the ladder of taking things away from people and making that divide, um, that economic divide larger. God, in, in, um, it's so well put. Like I just didn't just say, we're, yes, we're talking about this video and everybody has to like watch it, it's so well put. I'm, pasted, I'm pasting nice the video in
1: the comments, which, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to interrupt the conversation. We have a lot of good comments coming in though. Uh, I'm going to shout right. out to Tim Collinwood. Hey Tim. Um, yeah. And who, who pointed out that it's hard to pull up yourself by your bootstraps when you can't afford boots. Dave Garza. Yeah. All about yeah. the profit. No, no. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the things that uh, you just, you just, you uh, just, Pointed out Divora a bit ago, um, that I, I added to my list that um of the notes I was taking during the sexton video, um, is he pointed out right wing projection. And it really is uncanny how every goddamn thing that the right claims to be terrified of, they're fucking doing it themselves. Oh <laughs> so, like what you just said. Yeah. the liberals are indoctrinating everyone with their education like no the conservative status quo mindset is indoctrinating everyone with what's taught in like public education and the status quo of history this, uh, just they worry anything no, about I'm, voting just, <laughs> let me just run like, down my list, of my list of right-wing projection that I I, I I i had to pause the sexton video to because this hit me like a ton of bricks like yeah they worry about george soros constantly while all of their major thinkers are taking in tons of money from the Koch brothers and and other you know like massive oligarchs they worry about antifa committing domestic terrorism and then they commit then they then they attack the capital and kill two cops in the process they worry about their guns being taken away by a hostile government but refuse to criticize the same government when police are militarized and regularly gun down their perceived enemies they worry constantly that obama was going to be a neo hitler and then elect and form a cult around an actual neo hitler it's it's
0: it's crazy that it's not more obvious, like oh, the, people, the obvious. people on the, the people that are following trump and following the right and conservative that these things that are being said are not obvious it's no uh when you're living so much of that that's just like
2: when you're living in a certain media world and in a certain uh social bubble everything is very self-reinforcing you're hearing it through a certain lens and maybe you're not able to like really think critically about it but you are so reinforced and you have that community around you and sometimes i think that maybe they just don't want to have you know a challenging thought because all of their social bonds are predicated on that that shared belief system
1: well a major 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 difference that i notice in taking in um right-wing commentary versus left-wing commentary or even thinking about myself and other and other leftists i know it's like i read right-wing theory i will read all of their major thinkers and look at their what they're saying and like Break it down, and even sometimes you'll see, like, oh, I see the point that, like, maybe that's a good point, or whoever, but then they twist it and turn it into something malevolent, and they don't do that. <laughs> There's just like this intellectual, like, like this resistance to curiosity. It's like, I can't even, I'm not gonna read Marx because that could. Turn me into a Marxist or I'm not gonna, you know, I like should, it will right? only turn you into a Marxist if you read it and believe it. I like, like where's the where's the right wing like like I'm a man of strong mind? I can read all of your Marx and Zinn like and Chomsky and it will not penetrate my amazing no. brain. Once they I,
0: once they no, read no, it, no, they, no, they no, will people be people brought will into the cult.
2: There are people who will do that. They'll like, you know. Come at it with that kind of like i'm determined to like find all the evil and just like take things out of context and you know and just c- keep up that uh you know resistance for example you have like so-called right-wing historians like dinesh d'souza have mm. you ever picked up one of his books they are i don't
1: need, I don't need to <laughs> I, I i would if i was going to just like i'm gonna read this and and shit all over it in, a video the last
2: Leech in your eyes <laughs>
1: I don't know this Dinesh Dinesh D'Souza he's been around since the Bush years and yeah he's just a full-on unabashed peddler of what will sell things to the right I don't even think I don't even know if he believes it it's so he's so far out there he's just like what do you what do you like to hear here it is here it is
2: you know he, he provides this like um you know his historic revisionism For for uh, right wingers who need to feel better about, you know, which party they belong to, Uh, supposedly slavery was all on the Democrats. It was it was the Democrats' fault, uh, you know, top to bottom. And uh, the Nazis were national socialists, right? They were socialists. So, yeah, he he just really goes. uh, They were they were leftists. That's why they killed the socialists and the leftists. Makes sense
1: yeah sure. Um, so anyway right
2: yeah you have these pseudo intellectuals on the right um and oh my gosh it's funny when i on occasion i would in the library you know in the bookstore back when pre-covid days um i would sometimes pick up these books by you know right-wing politicians and they would just write these like Ode to old-fashioned chivalry and manners, and like, let's get those good old days back when, when you really lent your neighbor a helping hand. And, and I'm just like, what world do you live on? We have good old days. No, here. let's get
1: back. What they mean those. Let's get back to those good old days where you lent your white neighbor mm-hmm. a hand. When remember when all your neighbors were white, and you just help each other out. It was well, we're well, even... We were all white in our neighborhood.
2: Well, not even necessarily that far, but sometimes they'll they'll think like, Oh, all you need to do if you have, you know, a black neighbor, just lend him your hammer when he needs a hammer, and then we're in, you know, this post racial peace and heaven, you know, that's all that's all that takes. And they are blind to the fact that if you really want to help people, pay hey, them. This is the problem that they are so hell bent on, you know, extracting wealth. From the poorest Americans who they must not view them as human at all and not not having any kind of like human physical and needs because how much can you squeeze people it's
0: the the problem of people not caring about someone that's not if you don't have to see someone and talk to someone they're just this like idea and this dollar amount and you can just be like well just take some money away from that and put it here if I mean they don't you don't see the people, and some people can just completely write off because we everyone. And it, well, <laughs> and, and going
1: with what Dvorah is saying and what you're saying is like the these same people will say, "Well, let's take money away from these useless, eating, poor people who don't contribute anything, and make sure we give it to the amazing, industrious people who are creating companies and, and launching are, rockets."
2: And and therefore, and that money back into our own pockets.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all.
0: Yeah, it's all very selfish and and just.
2: But the end in your own
0: circle and, and are, ignorant.
2: They end up going too far and destroying themselves and the entire country along with them. And that's what's happening right now. It's well,
0: it's going all going to bite them in the ass. Like that's kind of the the point. Like it's all it's all coming back, and it's. Well, I don't know. Is it going to bite them? Because he was talking about, it was like, now these people that are coming are kind of the muscle for, you know, like that was, that was interesting. Well, it's when he was saying that the, that they're coming back now, they're like the muscle part of it. That's just kind of going to help them move forward and they yeah. don't have to do anything. They're like, okay, go do our work for us now.
1: Well, they're there. I mean, it's the same game we've seen since Obama. and And we're going to see it again under Biden, even more so like under Obama, Whenever, you know, as as someone who was a more radical liberal before I full on had taken on the like, you know, oh, I'm a, I'm a leftist. I'm way beyond liberal at this point. Um, and I'd argue with my liberal friends about things Obama was doing. And I'd say, hey, that's not great. That thing he's doing. And they'd all be like, <laughs> What do you want to do what do you want to do you want to help the tea party we can't help the tea party all right we got to lock together we got to stick together and make sure the tea party doesn't get and okay so we i guess we did that and then it didn't help it didn't help because we got tea party 2.0 which is what trump is and now we're going into tea party 3.0 or whatever (laughs) under biden where we're going to be told I, you got to chill out with that because the Trump people. We got to keep them at bay. We can't do anything too far left, or else they're they're gonna they're gonna get back into power. Yeah,
0: we we we're not gonna get anything done unless we have the Republicans. So we have to. We can only do so much. We're gonna need to put these things in so we can keep things partisan. You know, so we can get things done, and that's gonna be the nonsense that I think we're gonna be hearing.
1: And that, and that is what I really appreciated so about I think Sexton is just that he pointed out that like the you know he wasn't just saying like. The right is all awful, and this is terrible, and they're they're the problem. It's like he does do the he does take the time to explain that like the Democrats by doing the bare minimum or only paying lip service to fixing the problems of everyday Americans are only exasperating this and setting up an even worse scenario down the line.
2: Uh
0: Like Tim made a comment that it's it's not tea, it's espresso. (laughs) <laughs> and uh
1: thomas wrote something about jonathan Haidt. have you um, uh
2: right uh psychologist
1: so thomas thomas writes you should watch and critique the videos of jonathan hate who asserts that since 2014 leading college faculty and students have moved strongly to the left especially students have become intolerant of alternative viewpoints i love all these tools they, you they have on here prying.
2: brian they never stop crying about you know
1: Leftists on college campuses. I wish I damn wish, educated I wish people. Leftists on college campuses had the power that the right purports.
0: Oh. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm not going to last too much longer.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm gonna so be
0: honest.
2: What I, what I wanted to. I got homeschool this. tomorrow is that uh, we're in some ways back in the situation we were in Obama's first term when we had, you know, the executive branch, both houses of Congress, um, we had two years to get whatever we wanted done and ended up kind of blowing an opportunity, uh, except that uh, we didn't have everything that happened since then, you know, including the Trump years and, you know, the, everything that happened since, which now yeah. we should take a lesson, uh, we have an opportunity that's only good for the next two years where we have, again, um, you know, the president and both houses of Congress and we can get stuff done by a very bare majority. And if we don't get stuff done, we know what's going to happen. We are going to lose, uh, you know, the Senate and maybe the House too. And uh, we both parties, we're in a fight to the death right now. Republican Party knows they are because they, numbers wise and policy wise, uh, can't win without gerrymandering, without voter suppression. And if they lose big enough and long enough now, they are just going to go extinct. And they know that. And Donald Trump has come out and said it, that we're never going to win again if we don't, you know, win now, basically by hook or crook, whatever they have to do by cheating. Um, that's the only way they can win at this point. And we have this opportunity. Actually, it's not the only way we can, they can win because Democrats can lose. Democrats can fail and lose. And therefore, you know, in a two party system, when the Democrats lose, the Republicans win. So one of the only ways maybe right now that the Republicans really win is when the Democrats fail. And we cannot afford to fail and not only that, not only do we need a huge amount of help right now because of COVID and the shutdowns and the economic distress that is so severe. Um, And we now we have, you know, Bernie Sanders is the, the chairman of the budget committee. Uh, so we do have a chance of getting really good stuff done because he's not going to back down. He's well, going. So some to of the things
0: that needs him. to get done Sorry. needs to show the people that were on the Trump side, like some of the people that are like we're getting screwed. They need to get some help. Like they, not, it doesn't matter who need, you voted for. They need to get out and, and help the struggling people and the struggling businesses and the people that have been getting screwed over and the farmers and. And everything that's been going on, that why people are so mad that they look to these things, Um, doesn't matter red or blue, and they have to get to those people immediately and they need to see some of this change. And that will change. I think that is going to make a difference in, um, you know, who they're who they're voting for. Even if you don't get rid of the gerrymandering, you know, you need to show people what the what the real problems are. So I I hope that's something that can happen soon. But then, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much is going to change quickly, though. Um, You know, um, this is a random fact. Like, uh, I was reading that uh, Bill Gates now owns, like, some very large percentage of American farmland.
2: Yeah. Did you you read
0: that? That, like, that statistic came out, like, in the past couple days. Like, Bill Gates owns most of the farmland in this country. Just, like. Does anybody see like the, the problems here? Like, maybe that's why there's problems with the farms and the farming and, and our food industry. That's exactly. one of the big problems there. Hello, everyone. Like, it's not um, we, we need people to trapping on either. rural America. It's your wealthy people in charge.
2: You know, I, I don't know why it should be so hard to get Republicans and right-wingers on board with, like, abolishing billionaires when they're the ones who are full of, like, conspiracies of, like, rich people, you know, controlling everything. Uh, Let's undo that. Let's uh, let's break those monopolies and let's redistribute that power back to the people and have democracy. And how could they really like once you get into like the real like policies. There's a lot of consensus among Americans. And I don't know if you were like about to wrap up, but I wanted to get back to uh, what just happened with this Capitol riot with, you know, what one of the points that uh, Jared Sexton was making is that obviously isn't a book. It was long in the making and it is uh, kind of announcing a new era in right wing violence because um, it, it's it's an incident that was allowing a lot of people to come together and realize and, and coalesce and realize their shared interests. Uh, there were so many different groups there with different interests. Some of them are now forming alliances, and they, they usually during a uh, Republican president, you know, a lot of that Second Amendment stuff, a lot of the militias, they kind of like take a breather. Um, that didn't happen during Trump, uh, Trump's administration because it was a very uh, exciting and galvanizing time for them. But they do even better under a Democratic president because they have an enemy to fight against. And so we can look, you know, look forward to uh, potentially this this threat of violence that we're worried about happening, you know, before or at the inauguration, it's not the threat is not going to be over after January twentieth. Um, we're we're entering kind of a new era, uh, and we need to be aware of that. Be like learning about what is you know the meaning of this, the historical significance, and how to stop it. Um, you stop it by cracking down really early and really hard. Uh, but again, we've seen how this kind of ideology of, you know, uh, white supremacy has infiltrated every law enforcement agency at every level. There was like, we're still going to find out a lot more about what happened on that day and how how it was that the the Capitol Hill police were so understaffed. And, you know, they had uh, maybe like um, 2,000 Capitol Police, but there was only 400 there that day uh, with these flimsy gates. Like, it was absolutely it, – Well, it's
1: ridiculous, too, because I've been watching uh, – I follow D.C. reporters on Twitter who have been covering Black Lives Matter protests all summer. And the D.C. Pre- police can get brutal when they need to. That's- uh,
2: absolutely, they can. I mean, on one hand, if they were really outnumbered, they were not in a position to uh, definitely not to use firepower, um, that would not have been a good situation. But they were not adequately staffed. They were not given the intelligence about what was happening that everyone knew what was happening. All of the Capitol Hill um, you know Congress people told their staff to stay home. Yeah. because they knew everybody knew I knew. I was just so overwhelmed by all of the the, the the threats and the stress. And I just, at that moment, I just, I couldn't deal with it. And I was like, let me just close my eyes, pretend nothing's happening. Hopefully I'll be like, wake up the next day. and It'll be like, we made it through that day and nothing happened. But obviously that's not how it went.
1: Nope. Well, the most, I think the most chilling thing that, that uh, was in the Sexton video was when he, he he continually asked the question like, "Will the sixth be the high water mark, or is it the first wave that precedes a tsunami?" Yeah, and I think my biggest fear, and the only thing we didn't really touch on on this is is in the reaction to it, and everyone's like. Oh, we need to because, like, yeah, there, ne- there do need to be punitive measures like these people should that did this should be punished. Trump should be prosecuted, honestly. He should be impeached and, and, and prevented from taking office. But um, I really worry about us throwing down a Patriot Act 2.0, 3.0. I don't know what one we're on now, but we've been augmenting that thing for 20 years and I was just recently learning a bit about the history of apparently the House on American Activities Committee. It formed out of a lot of different committees, but one of the early uh, genesis uh, that precursors to it that that became the House on American Activities was um, investigating fascists who were um, being uh, aggressive or or, or or in the country towards uh, Jewish communities. And so it's like, oh yes, we're all behind that. Let's stop the fascists in America. Let's create the house on American activities. And where did that end up going? Was it, was it, it taking out been. fascists yes. in
0: our country? Yes. No. I have to, Ever. boys are not in their beds and I have to go. Okay.
2: your oh. excuse. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and if I'm not back, bye. All
2: right. <laughs> Good bye. night, boys. Uh, everything that we create you know when it comes to law enforcement or you know trying to sort out you know the good guys and the bad guys here uh every tool that we create ends up getting turned against the left partly because uh, again all of those law enforcement agencies all the way up are full of white supremacists and you know they don't want to uh, who was it that was saying you can't jail what you can't build the jail for white supremacy because you, who are the jailers? Who's going to jail them? Themselves? Yeah. They don't arrest themselves. They don't jail themselves. It's reminding me of uh, a little bit of like the Me Too movement when um, it just became revealed like how pervasive sexual assault is. And you realize that you, when you have a lot of, um, you know, obviously, the, the experience of reporting an assault, and you have a lot of cops who uh, themselves have, may have committed assault, and then you have the court system and the judges who also are sympathetic, and, and, and you had Congress people who are like, well, if we if we, uh, you know, every healthy male, basically, you're going to end up deciding that every every healthy male is someone who committed assault. It's something similar to that it's something similar to that where you have just an entire system where it's been so pervasive for so long that it's been normalized. And it's like, are you going to put the entire society in jail? But we have to really take a look at what's going on. All of these systems of oppression, both, uh, when it comes to, um, gender-based sexual violence and also, you know, race-based you know, white supremacy, like there's so many systems. And this is the moment in history when so much is coming to a head and so much is being revealed. And we have a chance here to create something different and to really have a reckoning and not to back away from the ugliness we see in order to go forward into a better future and not back. Not making America great again in a way that it never really was for anyone other than, you know, white men. And if you're honest, it was never great for white men either. Because when you have those kinds of, you know, patriarchal hierarchical systems of domination, um, that's actually not a healthy system for anyone and and certainly not whoever is doing the oppressing
1: yeah it's similar to how you know people try to get through to folks that 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 toxic masculinity it's toxic to the man too. Mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I don't know how we get out of this. Um I do agree that with um Sexton's conclusions that the the solution is that Democrats really need to take the economic fallout of their policies. And the bipartisan consensus they created they need to take that seriously and correct course and that we're not in a moment we're in a crisis and i don't know i don't have a lot of faith that they're going to do that and i i i'm really in i the only hope i i i do hold out you know we were talking about how we're back in a situation where we're going to have to be pushing on the democrats to go to the left and they're going to say oh but there's the scary scary right-wing boogeyman um the only advantage to that is though is the fact that we have joe biden no one's wild about biden democratic partisans they'll they'll be like he's great They love him. not he does not have obama's sort of rock star chutzpah um and to everyone coming off of like George Bush oh maybe this will work like yeah we've been burned once before by a much more charismatic interesting person than Joe Biden so my only hope is that he can actually be pushed and the Democratic Party doesn't feel so impervious and invulnerable to criticism from their own from the left and from their voting base and recognizes that they have a tenuous victory.
2: Yeah. Um, and the fact that they lost seats in the House actually ended up giving progressives in the House more of a proportion of the seats and more power and more of an ability to block things that they don't like.
1: Oh, I haven't um, looked into who we lost. Did we lose, like, some shitty centrist Dems?
2: I, I, yes. Um... It was pointed out, you know, of course they immediately want to say, you know, whenever there's a loss, they're like, uh, it's the fault of, you know, the progressives and the Oh, best. they
1: rolled that shit out immediately, immediately when there were losses in the house, they were, they were uh, immediately on all the centrists and democratic establishment were on air saying, well, this is because people were saying defund the police or because AOC exists.
2: Yep. But it was interesting that it was none of the progressives that lost and there was a lot of people who ran on Medicare for All in swing districts and not one of them lost. So it just, their arguments, how did they even bother making them? They are so transparently, you know, full of BS.
1: Well, here's the, I, I think we'll close that on this. Um, the, the hardest thing for me when it comes to like, can we push the Democrats is that I've really let go of the mentality I've held on for to I held on to for a very long time, like that, you know, started in the Bush years and carried through Obama. And only recently, I'm finally like, I can't hang it in my can't keep it in my head anymore, which is, which what a lot of people believe who are on the left or liberals or Democrats is that the Democrats just think that you know medicare for all is bad strategy or that fifteen 15 minimum wage they they want it but it's just it can't do it right now and and i i just don't think they want these things i don't think they actually want them because i i it's not i'm not being hyperbolic when i say like the democratic parties become the republicans and republicans become the fascists like no, that's happened. Oh, and the Democratic worry. Party is filled now. And it started with the Obama uh, when all of the Republicans who were finally done with Bush crossed over to Obama and the Democratic Party was like, wow, look at all these Bush voters we got. Look at all these crossover voters we got. We got to hang on to them. We can't do anything too far left with all this power we have now, and the fact that we control the House and the Senate and the presidency, can't do anything without that. Or we'll scare off all these voters who put us in power. And, and I, I, I guess like at the time I believed that, but now after so long, it's like, I have trouble letting myself believe that the Democrats actually fucking want anything that helps people. They want to string people along and stay in power and keep their donors happy because it's all a bunch of careerists. Or the majority of them are careerists and the only viable career path they see is keeping their wealthy donors satisfied, paying lip service to the things that the Democratic base wants and then like looking over at the Republicans and being like, ah, if only those guys weren't here.
2: That's what you get with the two party system, system. system. You know, every, every side, gets to the point the, the finger at the, the other side. side to do and that's why we can't we, we have to have more than two parties and that will hold people like really accountable and we don't get there until we you know take money out of politics um, we need rank choice voting so that they can't you know threaten us oh you're gonna get Donald Trump if you like you know any vote that's not for Joe Biden you know, yeah. whether, or not, you know whether, whether or not you're voting for Trump, you know, or a third party or not voting at all, like as long as you don't vote for Biden, you're voting for Trump. So we have to break that system and have ranked choice voting. And really, that gives power back to the people to say, I get to vote for my values. I get to vote for who I want, not just who I, I get to vote, not just against who I don't want. Um. So, a few, you know, just two two different points that I want you to make before we close up here, like what people can do is uh, some of what Jared Gates-Sexton was talking about. And the biggest thing he said was uh, educating people. Educate yourself, educate other people about what's really happening here. I think we have, obviously, a lot more to talk about. But another really important thing uh, that I haven't seen a a big uh, push about publicly, and it really needs to get a lot more attention, and that is, uh, if you have a Republican congressperson or senator who has not made a statement saying that Joe Biden legitimately won this election, you need to call his office or her office and tell them that that they need to make this statement. Um, this is, you're not gonna have unity until you have uh, acknowledgement of reality. This is the kind of chasm we have in this country we have two different realities we need to every single senator and congressperson knows the truth about what happened with this election you have uh republican appointed judges trump appointed judges who uh these cases were brought before them and there was no evidence they couldn't even pretend that there was evidence you could they can lie on the media they can lie in the news they can lie to the public without consequence but they can't lie to a judge without consequence and that's why not a single one of like 60 cases that they brought before the court. There was no merit in any of them. They couldn't bring it to the Supreme court because they couldn't get it past the court. So we need to have every single uh, Republican representative come out and say, this was a legitimate election. It was fair. Joe Biden won. You're not going to heal the country until you do that. It's extremely important that you do that. We know that Donald Trump is, is such a, low character he's not capable of admitting defeat. he's not capable of making a concession call to joe biden we need every republican representative and senator to say the truth to people to you know let people know and and stop lying to people and stop confusing people because they bear a lot of the responsibility for what happened They gave a lot of credence to the lie and convinced people, and and people think that's the truth. They need to come out and tell the truth, and I don't know if they will. I think, actually, this whole split of reality, my prediction is it's going to get a heck of a lot worse, and I think that the Republican Party is going to split as well, which isn't a bad thing, necessarily. It could be a bad thing. If the uh, more toxic part of it ends up getting a lot of power, that could be a very bad thing. That could be where we're going now. Um, but, um, you know, if it allowed the Democratic Party to split and for a progressive party to form, hopefully, fingers crossed, that would be a good development. Um, but we're just in a very dangerous point. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of danger. And we have to really be educating ourselves and each other and getting involved. And so, you know, those two things are, uh, you know, just... Focusing on you know the education piece, and also put your senator and your representatives in your cell phone, and call them. Um, a lot of people started doing that during the Trump era, and it has to continue. And whoever hasn't been doing that up until now, you can start now because yeah. it, it's get only- ca- and get
1: be real casual and annoying with it. Just be like calling, like this is what I want. It's it's not as scary as you think it is. I've been thinking like I need to do more live stream. Like I'm calling my senator today about this and just show like usually you're leaving a damn voicemail,
2: or you're talking to a staffer and they're just you're talking to a staffer. Yeah, they're just going to take a message and pass it on.
1: That, and they can... that's a really interesting strategy. Um, I hadn't heard before of of getting the republicans to sort of own up to this and and pushing them to to admit that biden won though the the people who believe that biden didn't win are so far gone to an extent that if their republican senator or house member said this is real they're like oh they're part of it too
2: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, you have some of those people who are too far gone, but, um, you know, the, there's a whole spectrum of levels of belief. And some people are going to, you know, if their Republican representative and senator, you know, says the truth, they're going to be like, oh, I guess, um, you know, he lied before, which is part part of the reason they don't want to tell the truth. They don't want to say they lied, um, but, but it would wake up some people to the fact that they were deceived and they would probably vote those people out of office, another reason they don't want to tell the truth. Uh, But at the same time, they are such cowards. They really use this situation for political gain, and they really back themselves into a corner here, and there's no way out except to either tell the truth or to double down on a lie and just further break the country. You know, like they swore an oath that their loyalty is to this country and to the Constitution and to the people they represent, and that's not what they've done. So if they can't do their job, they are going to have to resign or get voted out or or they're going to just double down and continue to destroy the country. And they're traitors and they should be expelled from Congress for what they did.
1: Well, traitors, I can't, I never I never really get too down on the term traitors because I can't really I don't care about patriotism if someone's a traitor in any sense. Well, no. I mean, I guess. No, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't want there to be nations. I'm, I'm way out there. I I, I, I'm being, I'm being flipping. They, they. I mean, as far as like betraying what our country's, you know, espouses, it's supposed to be. Absolutely, they have, they have betrayed that. Um, but they betrayed
2: like, human beings. They betrayed citizens. They betrayed yeah. us.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like if, if you're saying, like, someone's a traitor to humanity, fine. Like, the whole, like, oh, you're you're a traitor to America, or you're doing an insurrection. Like, I'm fine with insurrection. You know, that's one thing we didn't talk about. I think I mentioned to you is, like, part of the thing that really cheeses me off about this whole thing is the fact that, like, we've had elections stolen. We had, you know, 2000, 2000, 2000 in Florida, 2004, Ohio, right here in my state fucking stolen straight out the media did not cover the way it was stolen effectively but it was and we didn't take to the streets we didn't charge the white house we should have we should have we should have surrounded the white house once they started botching the covid response and the pandemic response that's the one thing that burns me up inside is that all these people who are living inside of fever dream conspiracy theories got so riled up about them they showed up at the Capitol and <laughs> almost did it. And I'm I like, heard. what? What are the people who have touched base in reality <laughs> going to take the Capitol? <laughs> but
2: it's only it's only the right wing that could have done it. Because they had the red carpet rolled out for them. They had the gates opened. You see the kind of force that shows up whenever there's a Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah.
1: But no, no, no. But this also proves the theory of, you know, this was the dream. If Bernie had been elected president, that we'd have a president who might actually say, everybody, show up in the Capitol and demand, we're going to. Just surround the fucking Capitol and we're gonna s- stay there until we, uh, you know, get Medicare for all. Like, and not like a violence thing, but he would have been the organizer in chief. Like, I'm or I want to, and that's what Trump did. He like sent out this siren call, like, get your asses down here. Not that he had an action plan for him, but he was, or whatever. Like, that's still being sussed out as whether or not it was like how premeditated anything was. But the point is, like, having a president who calls people to action. That's pretty rad. Like, can, and I thought for a moment about like Bernie, if he was just like, we're going to get this done. Everybody get down here and scare the pants off of your senators." Not because with violence, but just because we're all going to show up and we're not going to leave until we it get would, what we want.
2: It would be like Occupy Wall Street all over again.
1: Yeah. With a little bit of actual like support from people in power. That would be great. Yeah all right well devora this has been um a wonderful terrible conversation (laughs) and um do you have anything you want to plug i know i know you're not you don't have a show or anything but anything you want to make sure people do they don't have to come do the thing i I already
2: just uh you know gave those two uh action pointers which is uh you know education uh so pointing to uh, follow Jared Yates Sexton, uh, great, excellent historian. I follow him a lot on Twitter. Also, just started recently with YouTube, um, and also on Facebook. Or, you know, she also has uh, a newsletter that goes out every day. Heather Cox Richardson. Her book is called How the South Won the Civil War, which is a super interesting title, mm. uh, and uh, super relevant to everything that, that, that just happened. That's continuing to happen today. So, so the education piece, super, super important. And also just get your senator and representatives in your phone. And if they have not made a statement supporting, you know, the, the, the facts, the truth of this election, uh, give them a call and tell them that you demand that they, you know, tell the truth. And uh, that's the only thing that could possibly start to heal the country, potentially. It has to happen.
1: 100 percent i i hope i hope that's what ha- i hope that's what has to happen i don't know
2: <laughs> it has to happen whether or not it happens that's what needs to happen
1: <sighs> well
2: back to a shared reality
1: i know and, and I, I i i'm i'm trying to figure out in, the, in this year how to how to get out out of my bubble or get get in touch with because it's uh, all i ever do is talk to people it's where we're like, yeah, we both think this is crazy.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. And, yeah and you agree- know on The other side, some of the other side, there's no talking to them, so it's a little bit tricky. Like to find those people who are just really in between. It bugs me when people say they're apolitical. Like, no, you cannot. That's be a political
1: stance. They don't recognize that. That that means your you, your political stances. You're fine with everything the way it is.
2: Yeah, it's like, um, I'm just going to ignore everything and let it all sort itself out because it doesn't affect me personally.
1: Or yeah you think
2: it doesn't, but you're wrong. And nobody can be apolitical anymore. I, I just think that's partly just laziness.
1: I long to be. <sighs> <laughs> Did you ever have that as a part of your, like, oh, I wish I could just not care. And I wake up and be like, what? What movies am I going to watch today? What am I going to do to make myself happy? I'm going to go play some video games, and then I'm going to eat a thing I like, and then I'm going to watch a show I like, and then I'm going to go to bed. And I'm not going to think about all this stuff because it's so tough.
2: Well, no, I don't think you mean that. I think what you mean is you wish we had the kind of world that we deserve to live in. And in that world, we are all active participants in democracy, which is, as they say, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires us to be involved and educated. And so it's not that we want to not care. We want to not have the kind of problems that we have right now. Because
1: oh, abso- absolutely. Now. Yeah. No, but I'm, I am sometimes I do have the dark, envious part of my brain that thinks about the simple people who go through life just being like, "It's fine. I don't think about any of this stuff. Why are you doing that to yourself?"
2: Yeah, yeah, but and those are the people who are just like wake up one day and the capitals being ru- uh, you know stormed, and they're like, "What happened?" And yeah, I don't know. I can't relate it's to that a- kind of obliviousness.
1: It's a fleeting it's a fleeting fantasy. I just like sometimes
2: I'm just taking you too seriously. But but on one hand, you, you do have people who have those, you know positions. That's their stance, which is like, I'm not going to care because uh, both parties are awful. Well, you're right, but there's more to it. And, you know, everybody needs to understand what's happening in order to be on the right side and not just throw your hands up and be like, it's too complicated. I don't know what to support. You know, uh, we—it's it, everybody's obligation to uh, learn and educate themselves and push for the right things. Otherwise, we don't get them.
1: Yeah. Well, and I definitely and and I said like, oh, I, I want to step out of my bubble and and talk to conservatives more. But honestly, it's like, well, I mean, I feel like I have an easier time talking to some conservatives because I'm right there with them. Be like, yeah, the Democrats are corrupt pieces of shit. And the harder the harder thing is dealing with with liberals, who think that I'm this childish purist. Uh, that's a whole other conversation. Right. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep sprawling until we just stop. So we should just stop.
2: Oh no 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 no! One, one more thing. <laughs> like, you know what practical things? uh Want yeah. to end off with? Uh, and you're talking about getting out of your bubble. The thing is a lot of people, like a lot of voters and citizens, like they only get a knock on their door every four years by an election. And what we need to do is to just go around and talk to regular people when it's not an election, when we have time, and when they know that we're really interested in hearing from them, because we're not just asking for a vote. Uh, So yeah, I, I always wish we could do something like that. Just vote, like create some kind of, uh, organization campaign and go knock doors. Um, you know, take out all those maps that we had for the uh, campaign season, and just
1: just for civic market. engagement, general civic engage, doing it, doing a civic checkup.
2: Yep, just person to person. You know, I like um, that. We should we should create something like that.
1: All right. Well, we're gonna figure that out. All right. <laughs> I'll build. There'll be an app for it shortly.
2: And we should do this again too.
1: Absolutely. Well, uh maybe we'll call it Sunday Night Live.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: All right, Deborah, well, thank you so much for thanks so much for uh asking me to do this because um really it really was uh cathartic and it and it really needs to be done again and again and again and again. And I hope you you stay safe and stay in and we'll be in touch. You're around the corner. Yep. <laughs>
2: But you know, in COVID times, then might as well be halfway around the
1: world for all the good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you everyone for uh, sticking around and watching. Thanks. uh, Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, uh, Matt. There are some heavy hitter commenters that are were going, sticking around tonight. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back with another live stream next Saturday morning. Possibly during the week. I don't know. I'm kind of starting to enjoy this. Maybe I'll just be doing them all the time. Who knows? Thank you for having me.